bringing order to the intersection of public, private, and civic. This is Infrastructure Momentum Makers. Welcome to Infrastructure Momentum Makers, presented by Ansarada, the only software solution purpose-built to securely run complex and high-value infrastructure procurement. All your infrastructure procurement processes in one place, all in order. And join me, Vratna Amin, as I speak with the movers and shakers at the intersection of the public, private, and civic sectors about the latest breakthroughs and developments in the world of infrastructure. Today, I am very happy to be joined by Sharmila Mukherjee, Executive Vice President of Planning and Development with Cap Metro in Austin. Among many roles and responsibilities with Cap Metro, Sharmila supports Project Connect, a multi-billion dollar investment in an expanded public transit system in Austin. She's here to talk about that program and what she's learned working among a large, diverse group of stakeholders in an effort to steer the project from conception to the finish line. Thanks so much for joining us, Charmila. Awesome. Sharmila, it's so great to see you. Welcome to Infrastructure Momentum Makers. Thank you for this opportunity. It's end of the day here in Austin, Texas, sun setting, and it's a perfect time to chat about transportation. As I see cars lining up in front of the <laughs> roadway ahead of me out of my window. Yeah, you probably in your role as executive vice president at Cat Metro get to see your work all the time. Is it hard to take a break? Is it hard to take a break? Yes, it is hard to take a break. Yeah. The future of transit in Austin is bright, but there's a lot of work ahead of us. There's a lot of stakeholders that need to come together. There's some aligning that needs to happen on goals and objectives on where Austin would like to be as it grows up. That creates for a very sort of interesting path and also a challenging path ahead of us. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. First, briefly, you have what I would call a really big job at Cat Metro and in your region in this industry, being one of the executives at an agency that is, and we'll talk more about it, but that has a huge responsibility to both operate transit and build some big infrastructure projects. Can you just briefly tell us how you arrived at this role? What are some of the things you have done along the way, like where you really learned leadership and where you really learned infrastructure? Yes. So I'm going to trace my steps back to my previous job and what brought me to Austin. I moved here from San Francisco three and a half years ago at this point. And this is my first public sector job. I came from a position in a large international engineering consulting firm, working on major projects, primarily in transit and transportation infrastructure. Very familiar with sort of FTA rules and regulations and how our transportation projects in U.S. sort of navigate through that path and the process of developing projects and delivering them. With that background, came to Austin after being recruited at Cap Metro for this role, EVP Planning and Development and Chief Strategic Planning and Development Officer. It's a revamping of the same title. But in my role beyond the title, what I really get to do is lead a team, a planning and development team in a city that's growing exponentially and did through COVID. Transportation and infrastructure and mobility challenges are multifaceted in Austin. On one hand, Austin is 
in the process of moving forward with the redesign of a large sort of intersecting highway project is undergoing at the same time as Project Connect, a transformational transit infrastructure project, primarily light rail lines coming into Austin. There's an interesting story behind Project Connect and how it comes to be. It is truly a story of interagency collaboration and a sort of multi-stakeholder process that's sort of coming together, creating a referendum that goes to the ballot and gets passed. But the work leading up to that started long time ago, way before my time. Cannot take credit for any of that, but I feel very fortunate and proud to be able to play a small role in developing and sort of refining some part of the overall Project Connect program of project. And specifically from the side of Cap Metro, that is going to be the owner and operator of the future system. Wow, that's like such a big trajectory and a big transition for Austin. You said Project Connect, which we'll talk about a fair amount because it is one of the largest, most interesting transit investments in the United States right now. You said that most of it was initiated before you started in your role, but I'm sure you've learned a lot about the initiation and even might have some gap still that you still wonder about. Can you just walk through the initiation, not just to tell us the facts, but so people understand where these things come from? Like, where does a big infrastructure program come from? Does somebody just dream it one day? Do people just get in a room and figure it out? How would you describe the genesis of the whole program? That's an excellent question. And if I may just bring some levity into this, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of a lot of that. So the work started when I say that I wasn't part of Journey to Project Connect and its passing started about, I would say about 10 or 14 years ago, there was a large system plan that Austin prepared and out of that came a need to diversify its transportation mode. But one of the most important founding documents that Project Connect is based on is Austin's strategic mobility plan. It's the comprehensive plan, transportation plan, and Imagine Austin, which is their comp plan. Both of those identified a need to diversify and have mode shift happen fast. There are so many articles, Austin being unaffordable by the minute. Folks are moving from all over the country and other parts of the world. Its tech industry is growing. But the infrastructure in Austin really hasn't grown exponentially in the same way. Infrastructure doesn't grow that way to begin with. So Austin's strategic mobility plan had a goal of creating a mode shift where transit usage was supposed to be almost three times as much as its current in the next 10 years. Then Cap Metro as the transit agency, the transit provider, they had their own transportation plan, and that's called Connections 2025. That also identified alignments that would be better corridors for light trail. So all of those came together in Project Connect, which is sort of the branding for that large project. And locally preferred alternatives were two lines, two light rail lines supported by multiple corridor-based BRT that are really sort of focused on faster bus service, more reliable bus service with red lanes and transit signal priority and queue jump and so forth. So it is, Project Connect is not just light rail, even though light rail is the most prominent part of the program. 
a full suite of projects that included four Metro Rapid BRT, light rail lines, app-supported pickup, which is demand response, and mobility options. They all sort of came together and was packaged in a $7.1 billion program that went in the ballot in November 2020. But I have to highlight the most interesting part of that infrastructure referendum was a $300 million anti-displacement component for city of Austin. I think that is one of the probably most significant intentional transportation planning effort to avoid and minimize displacement that high capacity transit brings to a city. Wow, thank you for that. And it's just amazing that actually to me, what people can dream up and these kind of complicated plans and integrated ideas of anti-displacement and transit. Can you explain how your agency has done or has attempted to integrate all of that? Tell us what Cap Metro did before you started three, five years ago, like what it operated, what it built, and what it's expected to do in the future, including dealing with land and anti-displacement and housing. Like, what's the kind of the before and after vision? Yes. And in the middle where we are now. Mm -hmm. What I neglected to mention, or maybe that this is the time to mention, is that Cap Metro is obviously the transit provider. City of Austin is the land use authority. And obviously, the city and Cap Metro came together and created Austin Transit Partnership, a light rail delivery arm that also has fiduciary responsibility for the city funding component of the program. So the funding for the $7.1 billion program is coming from kind of anticipated 45 to 50% federal new starts dollars, which was designed to come from Cap Metro as being the federal recipient and City of Austin as the land use authority, it's their tax rate election. City made a tremendous commitment in the middle of COVID with a very intentional effort to put that on the ballot and commit property tax, 8.75% of property tax for this transformational kind of almost generational investment in light rail. So Austin Transit Partnership, it is the entity that Cap Metro and City of Austin created and also help set up with shared services and other technical support and with some seconded employees initially as well. Since then, they have made a number of amazing hires and the new executive director has also been most recently selected this week. So with that, I think ATP is well positioned to move forward with the light rail program with Cap Metro as the owner-operator and a partner in this, as well as City as a partner in this effort. So it is a pretty interesting jurisdictional and sort of governance exercise in delivering public transit. There are examples like that, but I think this is new for Austin. Sounds like part of the growing pains, if you will, and opportunities of a region. You have to make more institutions, and then you need institutions to coordinate those institutions We've heard this in other interviews. That's its own skill set instead of management practices. How do you get multiple entities to work towards one outcome? Like what are the systems and decision-making processes and all of that? I'm sure that's a lot of your work, not just drawing pictures on maps. That is a good part of my work every day. Yeah, I bet. We are supported by an amazing in-house staff and then ATP as it's fairly well-staffed at the moment has hired talent from all across the nation, 
It is an interesting exercise. There's a committee, a partner group, if you would. I wouldn't call it a steering committee. We haven't formalized sort of a formal name for that team that are coming together on a regular basis to essentially go through the initial implementation sequence that ATP is putting together. So just to give you a little bit of context, since passing Prop A, the $7.1 billion program has faced challenges that all other major programs across the country faced as well. They are very similar across the nation, but being the first major light rail program, some of those challenges are more sort of prominent and front and center to Austin Transit Partnership. Those include cost of construction, supply chain issues, scope changes along the way. There was a tunnel involved in downtown tunnel in the initial program to give the reliability, time savings, and future proofing that this program would need over time with more refined cost estimate that tunnel is really too expensive for the program. So there are adjustments and refinements that would be addressed and made. And the process of reviewing the alternatives, selecting the options and creating almost like a mini evaluation framework to screen the first implementation option, we're in that phase right now. So end of March, the more promising alternatives are going to be delighted. And at that point, once there's an agreement, I expect by end of June that we would be moving forward into the next phase of design. That's an incredible accomplishment. Again, it's so much work that people don't always get to see that once you vote on a measure now, then the work begins. <laughs> you said the goal was to triple transit ridership within 10 years. What are the decisions that actually help the design decisions that help make that happen? Or what are the design or adjacent decisions that actually work against that goal? Because this is sort of the holy grail. Like, we want to get more people on transit. That has been really difficult in the U.S., but you're up close. What do people need to know? So this is the best of times. This is also the worst of times. <laughs> Austin was able to pass this amazing referendum with great intentionality with Project Connect. But we were in the midst of COVID where nationwide ridership numbers have gone down. And in light of that, Project Connect, especially the light rail program portion of it, even the bus rapid transit, both sides of the program had seen schedule changes. Cost of construction had gone up. More refined design decisions needed to be made to make sure that we are under the affordability threshold. And there's a lot of due diligence that Austin is really focusing on right now. So voters are happy and satisfied with a program that they can afford. So there's that cost consciousness that exists in terms of how that affordable project would meet or stand up to the challenges of Austin's strategic mobility plan, that remains to be seen. The very ambitious goal of having mode shift from single occupancy vehicles to transit requires a whole lot of other things. It requires transit supportive infrastructure. It requires land use that are conducive to transit. So taking all of those into consideration, I would say that this is the phase where we sort of balance our competing priorities, what we want to see in the program, what we can afford in the program, and what really is feasible for Austin right now. So we are very much in the process of sort of juggling competing priorities right now. 
How does that juggling look with array of stakeholders that care about this project and were there when we created it? <laughs> I've known you a little while, Sharmila. You really care about integrity and trust. And so what are the things you do to try and keep trust? You don't need to share every tactic, but what do you think helps? It sounds really simple, but one of the areas that I focus most in my day-to-day work is I try to remind myself that as a professional, as an urban planner, as a transit professional, and an executive at Camp Metro, it is truly my mission and goal to stay focused on the end goal of bringing high-capacity transit and in form of light trail in Austin and stand for the best solution in that. I come from consulting background. I do have a lot of respect for cost and constraints and limiting impacts on environment, both human and physical environment. But managing both sides, understanding that we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to create a project that could get left behind for generations to come. So we really need to think in terms of future-proofing. Now, the other thing that I have few lessons learned in this process, some of these are carryover from my previous private sector experience, is that it's very important to strike the balance between consulting resources and in-house capacity. So the management and technical pieces come together in a very seamless way. And then I really believe FTA, in this case, our federal partner is our friend. There's no reason to not share some of our true concerns and kind of draw upon the lessons learned from different parts of the country and different projects that had similar complexity or even more complexity and to be able to draw from those. And then finally, stay true to the commitment we made to the voters. Stay true to the purpose and need and the goals and objectives of Project Connect. So those are the things that I focus on and also efficiency. Efficient delivery of the program is very important to me personally. That's helpful to hear. These are the things leaders have to think about and balance and hold. I'm glad you brought up future-proofing, especially since we're living in a time of so many emerging changes. Even from a simpler time, we know that people have made decisions in transit projects that we're stuck with for a really long time. How much does that history inform your view on that? And then how do you think it's relevant for the future? When you say future-proofing, what are you thinking about? Or what is Project Connect thinking about? There are two parts to this question and answers. What I'm personally thinking about is entirely informed by my personal experience and professional experiences. And I realize coming from cities with more mature transit systems, rather, I see the challenges of retrofitting a system that no longer meets the need of the growing and changing needs of the community. So that is front and center in my mind. In terms of Project Connect, I think there are a lot of very smart, a lot of experience in different parts of program delivery. A lot of new folks, folks that have been in the community for 20, 25 years, they bring their own experiences. And sometimes those are obviously rightfully contradictory to one another. That creative challenges that is in the program is, I think, is going to benefit the program. But I think on the ground every day, Austin doesn't have high-capacity transit that users experience every day, right? So there's also an educational component to what future-proofing means in terms of platform length or independent right-of-way, the types of reliability and travel time savings that that could bring that seems unimportant at the moment in design, but 
25, 30 years down the road would be incredibly important to our children. So striking the balance between the two and staying under affordability thresholds, I think all of those things are front and center in all of our minds. Sharmila, when you say that, so many examples start popping in my mind of things we're stuck with in transit systems or other infrastructure, like in the Bay Area, where we both used to live, there is the entrance to the tunnel under the bay. It's the bottleneck in the entire system, and to fix it is extraordinarily complicated and expensive, and the areas have now built up around there. It seems like a real opportunity for folks out there to think up tools that are really easily adapted to help people understand their trade-offs in future. I mean, I think we need to learn that better in general, is how to think about the future. In Austin specifically, what does future-proofing mean given climate change or social changes? What comes up as you're planning? So at the risk of being politically incorrect, I would say every major urban areas has their own version and own texture and flavor of environmentalism. And Austin's is a very sort of environmentally conscious city. Our Metro Bike program is a testament to that. It's under our transit agency umbrella with partnership of City of Austin and B-Cycle. Active transportation has gained ground like I haven't seen in many other places. But the role high capacity transit plays in reducing GHG and the immediate environmental impact that connection is not as prominently drawn in many of our minds here. So what happens is there's that sort of academic connection that needs to be made sometime. And that's one piece. You brought up the Bay Area and Transbay. That is an incredible example, especially to think through the challenges of growth and the opportunities that it brings. It also comes with major responsibilities. It's like Spider-Man with power comes responsibilities, right? I think Austin is at the precipice of that sort of taking, here's this incredible growth that's taking place, but then there's a mindset and a uniquely Austin way of doing things. And how do you sort of bring that highly democratized, very community-driven planning approach, how you kind of bring the two together to come up with an incredible project that everybody could stand behind is a challenge in itself. And the second piece that I would say is that the larger infrastructure investments and their impact on transportation, some of those examples are not in Austin and they're not in Texas. <laughs> so it's a generally a car centric environment. So there's that paradigm shift that takes a little while to sink in. But as I mentioned, it's a special community. It's a great place to be where there's a lot of intentionality and awareness in making the community equitable. And I have to talk about the equitable transit-oriented development, the big piece, the future-proofing piece, probably from the community planning standpoint, and that, that sort of brings transportation, transit, and land use together in this process. So I mentioned that 300 million anti-displacement that was set aside is sort of part of the Prop 8 referendum. That is uniquely Austin. There's grassroots support for expanding affordable housing and prevent displacement. And to have that be part of your transit infrastructure referendum is monumental. So I am very proud to be part of this community and that mindset 
I would say that as we get more into sort of planning for future for light rail, it is absolutely imperative that Austin brings focus on to what's most important to create sort of diverse housing choices near major transportation nodes and along light rail stations, specifically the intermodal stations, the larger stations. So I think the effort, it's very personal to me. When I came to CapMetro in my team, we wrote the first grant for and applied for FTA TOD planning grant to create a TOD framework. And then as we received the funding, acute displacement that taking place in Austin and the growth pressures that are all around us, we realized that this light rail system that is going to be built, it really won't serve its purpose if the very customers that it's being designed for are displaced and no longer able to live near stations. So there came sort of the E in the TOD. We put equitable in the TOD. Since then, on behalf of City of Austin and Cap Metro, we have received four successive TOD planning grants. It's one of the first transit agency in the country to do so, as I was told. Either way, beyond that distinction, and what's really most important is how we are using that federal funds and how thankful we are to FTA. An opportunity was extended to us where we are essentially figuring out the hierarchy of all stations and creating a entirely public-facing dashboard with all of the information, demographic, transportation, market pressures, displacement risk. So decision-making tools are transparent and the recommendations are entirely done through a co-creation process with City of Austin and Cap Metro. That is the process I'm very proud of. It creates an amazing agency template for collaboration and coordination which now I think there's a good template for Austin Transit Partnership, Camp Metro and City of Austin to kind of follow or refine or grow with and make better. But I think we have a template of interagency coordination in the equitable transit-oriented development. On Thursday, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed, Austin City Council is likely to vote on ETOT policy plan, which will then create a pathway for city planning folks to take the framework that we all stood behind and do more focused station area planning and TOD overlays for the service area, future service area of Project Connect. Oh, congratulations. This is very pioneering to integrate these two functions and have metrics. I can see how much more powerful that would be for planning when you have that in front of you rather than just uh, wishes and hopes like we think this policy will make something more equitable. You're actually tracking it with data in more real time. Sharmila, I'm going to start to close with two questions. We've been asking guests on the program, and it's always interesting to hear the responses. Managing in major infrastructure projects, which you are front and center doing, can be stressful, obviously. Where do you find order in the chaos? Again, two parts to this question. They're clearly a multidimensional interview we are having here. I truly go back to almost in a very simplistic way why we are doing this. How did we come here? If one stays true to the purpose and need of the project or why we are doing this, if we ask ourselves often enough that question, I think the path we choose to get to a recommendation 
becomes easier. And the other piece is personal. There's a direct connection to see a bus rapid line get started or a Metro bike program that gets implemented. To be able to part of something so tactile, tangible, that improves folks' life, like just our customers' regular day-to-day mobility needs, it's very interesting to sort of have that sense of satisfaction through your work. I was involved in very large programs where I hardly had any real ability to see them ever get built because those are 20, 25 year long program. Seeing results in short and intermediate terms helps me find some order in the chaos. That makes a ton of sense. I love the connection to purpose. There's nothing more true than that. I never thought of that word in a FTA application in such a broad way. So thank you. (laughs) One last quick question before I let you go. What is a major infrastructure project anywhere in the world that's on your bucket list to go and see one day? There was one Elizabeth line in London, which I just saw. So that's off my bucket list. I really would like to see the French high-speed rail. It's something that I would really like to experience myself. I understand the land use context is unusual in the sense that it's not entirely high density population centers, but it has its own transportation core, the end market that the project is serving. So I'm really interested in that. And I think it'll be sort of, even though the funding structure and mechanism are very different, I think in the state that I am in has very different, differing land use dispersion all along a transportation corridor. So I think there are some sort of true takeaways from that that I can bring to where I work. Yes, you have to do the French high-speed rail if you haven't, Charmila. It's so classic. And I feel like Texas and France are becoming more and more alike by the day (laughs) in some ways. (laughs) Thank you, Charmila. Thank you for your time and thank you for extending the opportunity. Our guest today, once again, was Sharmila Mukherjee with Cap Metro in Austin. Thanks so much for joining us, Sharmila, and is sharing the incredible work your team and so many others have accomplished already, and discussing the incredible transportation transformation now underway in Austin. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all once again for listening to our show. If you're enjoying it, please make sure to leave a review so more people can find us. Until next time, I'm Ratna Amin, and this has been Infrastructure Momentum Makers, presented by Ansarada.